thank you that healing has already taken place. Wholeness has already been delivered. And we thank you now for your presence being known in this place. And it's in Jesus' mighty name. Can everybody say amen? Come on, give the Lord a praise clap just right there at your seats. Glory be to God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to hold them up real high. I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like a church. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled Noel, the King with Five Names. Everybody say Noel, the King with Five Names. And the purpose of the series is to provide you and I with insight on the different names that Jesus would be called. And so our first lesson was entitled, The King is Wonderful. Our second lesson was called, The King is a Counselor. And so today our lesson title is, The King is Mighty. Everybody say, The King is Mighty. So let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9, which is where the foundational text for our series comes from, Isaiah 9, and we're going to look at verse 6, and then we're going to go over to the Amplified Version of Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. I believe today's message can produce a shift in your life if you let it. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Someone say amen. Amen. And so our focus today is on Mighty God. So let's start out by defining one of the key words in this verse or in that name that I want us to point out. The word Mighty there, if you're taking notes, it means a champion. It means a strong man. Say a strong man. It means a strong man. It means a brave man, a giant man, and a mighty man. So that word mighty is powerful. Now here are a couple of verses that I just want to point out that uses this same word mighty. It just uses a different English word, but it's the same uh, Hebrew word. One of them is found in 1 Samuel 17, 51. And it says, and this is when David uh, was uh, uh, getting ready to kill or have killed the Goliath. It says, therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistines. Sometimes you got to run towards your problem. Some of us are running from my problem. Sometimes you just need to run towards your problem. Amen. Amen. When the bill collector calls, just pick up the phone and say, hello. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
David ran and stood upon the Philistine. He took his sword. He drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw that their champion, that word champion is the same Hebrew word, it's mighty. When they saw that their champion was dead, watch this, they fled. Sometimes you got to face the bully and the rest of them will run. Watch First Chronicles chapter 7 verse 40. It says, all these were the children of Ashar, heads of their father's house, choice and mighty men. Say mighty men. That's that same Hebrew word, mighty. He says, choice and mighty men of valor, chief of the princes. Now, the name mighty is powerful because it means strong. And so in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 60, as I've been studying this particular verse throughout our series, and I read this one for our Uh, our lesson today on mighty God, I ask myself the question, why does this verse describe Jesus as mighty God? Everybody say, that's a good question. Now, everyone knows that God is mighty. So what stands out about Jesus being called mighty God? Was it the miracles that he performed? Well, we could say yes to that. But miracles were also performed by other people and other prophets before him. I mean, the dead was raised by Elijah. Amen. Miracles of water came out of a rock by Moses. And even the sun was commanded to stand still by Joshua. So it's not just the miracles that caused uh, the Bible to call Jesus mighty God. So why would he be called that? Well, I believe one of the major things that Jesus uh, may have been quoted as mighty for is, is really displayed successfully in how he dealt with his life. Now, I'm going to show you something that is amazing. I believe that one of the major things that made Jesus mighty is that uh, he allowed his will to yield to the Father's will. Amen. Jesus could have used his position to be served and watch this and to rule. Even his disciples wanted him to do that. They said, hey, master, when are you going to set up your kingdom down here on earth? But Jesus knew that in order for him to fulfill the will of God for his life, he was going to have to yield his will to the father's will. Amen. And so he could have used his position to serve and to rule, but instead he used his position to serve and submit. In the New Living Translation of Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, it says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus could have used his position to be served And to rule, but instead he submitted himself to the Father's will. Now, I'm going to look at a verse here and we're going to read it out of the Amplified Version. Because I'm going to show you, it's one thing to not have an option to do something. And it's another thing to have options and not choose the option, but choose what's best. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes, you know, I I hear people all the time, they say, oh yeah, I've been married, you know, Five years and I've never cheated on my spouse. My question to them was, have you had an opportunity? It's hard to cheat if nobody wants you. Let me stay focused. Let me stay focused. 
So let's look at Philippians chapter 2 because I believe it gives us perspective of how Jesus was mighty because of and and how he used his will. So watch this. The Amplified Version of Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says this. Let each of us esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interests, but also each for the interests of others. Watch verse 5. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. Who, verse 6, although being essentially one with God, listen now, and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was was a thing to be equally grasped or retained. Watch verse 7. But stripped himself. Everybody say, Jesus stripped himself. He stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant or slave in that he became like men and was born a human being. Watch verse 8. And after he, Jesus, he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death even the death of the cross. What made Jesus mighty was that he was able to yield his will wholeheartedly to the Father. That's what made Jesus mighty. He was able to yield his will wholeheartedly to the Father. And I'm going to explain to you not only why that was important for him, but I'm going to show you at the end why that is important for us. Jesus forfeited his rights to do what he wanted to do so that he could do what God wanted him to do. I'm going to say that again. Jesus forfeited his rights to do what he wanted to do so that he could do what the Father wanted him to do. Look at it like this. Jesus took the very thing that separated man from God in the beginning and he used that very thing to bring God and man back together and that is He used his will. See, most of us think that it was Adam eating the fruit that's what caused him to sin. No, no. The sin was that he chose his will to disobey God. Amen. It was the will of man at the beginning that brought this separation between God and man. And see, most of us, we normally focus on that sin part being committed. But I want to explain to you today that it was man's will that got us in the position that we're in. And see, Jesus knew that if a man's will is what got us in the mess, it was going to take a man's will submitted to God's will that was going to get us out of the mess. So I only have one point. Everybody say one point. I only have one point this morning again. And here it is if you're taking notes. Yield power gives you will power. I'm going to say that again. Yield power gives you will power. Everybody say yield power gives me will power. Watch Romans chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. In other words, he's saying, whoever we yield ourselves to is who we're going to obey. 
And see, our wills are the most powerful thing that we possess. Watch this. Because God cannot do anything apart from us yielding to his will. Our will is what makes us us. Our will is what makes us like God. Our will is what controls our lives. God does not control your life. The only way God can control your life is if you yield your will to his will for him to control your life. Wow. And see, this is why people perish. This is why people go to hell. This is why people miss heaven. It's not because God wants them to. It's because they have chosen by an act of their will to not choose God's way of salvation. Everybody say, God wants everybody saved. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants everybody saved. First Timothy chapter 2, I'm reading out of the King James, verse 1, it says, I exhort therefore that first of all, watch this, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for how many men? All men. Whether you like the president or not, whether you are Democrat or Republican, whether you like horses donkeys or elephants he said prayers supplications should be made for all men watch verse 2 it gets even specific for kings let me use the word we use in these days for presidents and for all that are in authority amen that's why you need to pray for your boss maybe your boss is giving you hell because you're not praying heaven into your office For kings and for all that are in authority, here's why. That you may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Amen. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Watch verse 4. Who will have, here's my point, who will have how many men? How many men? God will have all men to be what? saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. In other words, salvation is a choice. Salvation is a result of someone yielding their will to God's will. And what made Jesus mighty is that he chose to yield his will wholeheartedly. And notice I'm using the word wholeheartedly to the Father. And see, we must yield our wills for anything in our lives that happen that God wants to make happen. And that's why some people never experience salvation. It's not, you know, because some people say, well, God's will is predestined. Whoever's going to go to heaven goes to heaven, and whoever's going to go to hell goes to hell. No, no, no. Whoever chooses to go to heaven goes to heaven, and whoever chooses to go to hell go to hell. Amen. Jesus was able to yield his will to the Father at all times. Everybody say, yield power gives me willpower. God has a will, and that is what Jesus' focus was in this life. He was focused on pleasing God by yielding his will to the Father's will. Now, I want you to look at a prophetic word that's also listed in the New Testament, but it's in the Old Testament in Psalm chapter 40, verse 6, because it's talking about Jesus. This is a prophetic word about him. And notice what it says. It says, sacrifice and offerings you don't desire. He says, mine eyes have you opened. 
He said, burn offerings and sin offerings you have not required. Then, this is Jesus talking. Then he said, then I said, I've come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Watch what he says. Read it with me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Let's read that again. I delight to do thy will, O my God. One more time. I delight to do thy will, O my God. He says, thy law is in my heart. Jesus' focus was to obey the Father. And I want you to look at how he told his disciples. See, his whole life, this is what, see, this is one of the things that made him mighty. Because it's not easy to yield your will over to God. Oh, you and I ought to know that. I mean, if it was easy, all of us would have a 100% track record on obeying God. So yielding your will over to God is not the easiest thing. And just for your information, Jesus had a will of his own that sometimes contradicted what God wanted him to do. But what he did, I'll show you, he yielded that will over to God just like you and I ought to do. So watch this now. This is in uh, Matthew chapter 6. When Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, notice what's in the prayer. He says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, watch this, thy will be done what? On earth what? Okay, so that means God has a will in heaven. But the only way that will in heaven is going to be done here on earth is that you and I got to yield to it. Jesus, listen, Jesus would not have been able to complete the mission that God had him to do had he not yielded to the Father's will. The only way that God's will is going to be done in heaven, uh, as it is in heaven on earth, is that we got to choose to do it. And Jesus displayed the might to do this while he was here. He displayed this power and might even during the most difficult times of his life. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, kind of gives us a, a snapshot of a, of a time period in Jesus' life where he was going through a tough time. Because, see, a lot of us, when we view Jesus, we view Jesus as if he skateboarded through life with no problems. Watch what it says in Matthew chapter uh, 26. It says, Then comes Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over here, yonder. Jesus was from the country. (laughs) Look at verse 37. And he, Jesus, took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which by the way, that was James and John, and began, watch this, to be sorrowful and very heavy. Verse 38 says, then said he, Jesus, to them. My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. I want you to tarry here and watch with me. Verse 39 says, he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed. Watch his prayer, you all. Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But watch what his response was. Read it with me. Nevertheless, not as I will but as thou will. 
I love the Living Bible translation says, He went a little forward, uh, went forward a little. He fell on his face down toward the ground and he prayed, My father, is it, if it's possible, let this cup be taken away from me. Watch what he says. But I want your will, not mine. Everybody say, that's mighty right there. Oh, that's mighty to be able to yield your will to the Father's will, especially when your will contradicts His will. See, there are going to be times in your Christian walk that God's going to want you to make decisions, watch this, that contradict what you want to do. And what I discovered, no one told me uh, in my when I started being a Christian, no one told me that I was going to have to say yes, or let me use the word I'm using this morning. No one told me that I was going to have to yield to God's will consistently. See, I thought accepting Jesus one time was going like, it's like a magic pill and you take it and, and man, life is wonderful after that. I thought, you know, you say yes to Jesus and you don't have to say yes no more. That's not true. Amen. He said, I want your will, not mine. This, in my opinion, is a display of mighty God in Isaiah 9, 6. He had the power to do things differently. Because, see, it takes a lot of power and might to deny our own wills. Jesus could have used his power, his willpower. He could have used his God power at any time, but he chose not to. Listen, that's like you know that you can beat somebody up and you choosing not to do it. Have you ever been approached? I'm talking about back, you know, well, people still fight these days. All you got to do is look on Facebook. I'm like, these grown people fighting. But you know, when you, when you were younger, it's one thing now that someone's picking a fight with you that you think they're going to win. But it's another thing for somebody to be picking a fight with you and you know you can beat the snot out of them. You are choosing not to do that. Well, Jesus had all power in his possession to do what he wanted to do. Look at now the New Living Translation of Matthew chapter 26. It says, then the others grabbed Jesus. Because I want to show you that he had other choices that he could have made. It says, this is when they were coming to uh, arrest him. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Well, we know who did that. That was Peter. Now, if I was with Jesus, it would have been me. Verse 52. Put away your sword, Jesus told them. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Here's verse 53 I want you to pay attention to. He says, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them? He said, oh, wait a minute. Now, don't think that this option that I'm choosing to take is my only option. He said, no, no, no. I can call down thousands, or the King James uses the word, legions of angels, and my Father will send them. But watch verse 54, because I'm telling you what made Jesus mighty is that he chose to yield to God's will. Watch verse 54. He says, but if I did that, 
how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Jesus said, listen, if I, uh, if I, if, you know, if, if, if I'm going to say it this way. If, if I chose to have a devil level moment, or if I chose to let my flesh rule, and I just decide, forget all this. Let me just call down some angels and let the angels wipe out these people. He said, you know, I could have done that. He said, but you know what? What I'm looking at is not what I'm going through. I'm looking at where I'm going to. And the only way you and I are going to successfully and consistently yield our wills to God, we cannot look at what we're going through. We have to look at where we're going to. Jesus knew one day he was going to sit at the right hand of the Father. He knew one day that he was going to have all power. Amen. And see, let me, let me point out something you may not have ever thought about. Had Jesus not laid down his life because they didn't take his life, he laid it down. Had he not laid down his life, do you realize that Jesus would have lived forever? Think about this. In fact, let's let's just take Adam. Had Adam not sinned against God, do you realize Adam would have lived forever? And everybody that was born in the earth, as long as they didn't eat the fruit, everybody would have lived forever. Do you realize how overpopulated the earth it would be? So, Adam could have lived forever. Well, had Jesus just kept living and not sinning, he'd have lived forever. But see, he knew that his assignment here on earth was bigger than his life here on earth. And that's the only way over the years I've been able to yield my will to God because I knew that my assignment here on earth was bigger than just here. I knew my assignment was, watch this, it wasn't just about me. My assignment had thousands of people connected to it. Amen. So, Romans 8, 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. So, Jesus would have lived as long as he could have, as long as he hadn't sinned, just like Adam would have. Now, let's look at something. I want you to see now what happens when we yield our wills like Jesus did. Because uh, most of us, we don't value our obedience to God. We see obeying God as an option. Now, although, watch this, although it is an option, it shouldn't be an option. Just like Jesus said, Look, I have an option to call these angels down and wipe all y'all out. That's an option. He said, but it's not my option. My only option is to obey the will of the Father. Watch this now. So I'm going to reread something. Let's, let's go back to the Amplified Version of Philippians chapter 2 because I left out one of the last verses so you could see something. The Amplified Version of Philippians 2. I'm going to reread it again and then I'm going to point something out. It says, let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interests, but also each for the interests of others. And let me just, I'm just throwing this in. This is not a part of my notes. But until God sees that your heart is willing to be a blessing, he will never release enough blessing for you to be that. Okay, let me say it this way. If God knows that when he blesses me with more, part of my mindset is to be a blessing to others. When he knows that, 
the Bible says he gives seed to the sower. But if God knows all you're going to do is eat it and wear it and drive it and live in it, if he knows ain't nobody else, listen, it's me, myself, I. That's it. Then why should he bless you with more? Verse 5, let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was the thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. Verse 7 says, but he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant in that he became like me and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he, Jesus, abased and humbled himself and carried his obedience to the extreme death, even the death of the cross. Here's the verse I didn't read. Therefore, therefore, when you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. He said, therefore, after this, after Jesus humbled himself, after he stripped himself of all his privileges, after he did all of that, he said, therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. In other words, when you yield to God's will, power comes. I'm going to say that again. When you and I yield to God's will, power comes. Everybody say, when I yield to God's will, power comes. Amen. So let's look at this. I'm going to give you an example. Look at when Jesus died and rose again. In Matthew 28, 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when he saw them, or when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, Watch this now. How much power? Come on, class. Come on, class. Oh, power. You know, back in the day when the preacher was preaching. And he was getting ready to close his message. And it was Easter Sunday and the house was packed. Then he would, oh, power, oh, power. I said, oh, power. And then when he wanted to really show out, he would go, oh, power. I don't want to switch, so I'm just going to say, oh, power. (laughs) He says, oh, power. How much power, class? Now, let me ask you a question. How much all includes? He says, all what? What? Power Power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Because after you yield to God's will, power comes. Everybody say, after I yield to God's will, power comes. Amen. That is might being displayed. Amen. Jesus has been given Watch this. All power by the Father because he completely yielded to the Father. Now, the New Living Translation I'm reading now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a lot of reading, but I just want you to stay with me. Look at your neighbor and say, stay with him. 
the New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians 15. Here's why I'm reading this. I want, I want you to see that when you and I yield to God's will, power is going to come in our life. Watch this now. It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, that was Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Now let me point out something else that made Jesus mighty. Jesus, because there were several people that died and, and, and got rose from the dead. I mean, there was a lady who was taking care of, uh, I think it was Elijah, and uh, he had prophesied them to have a, a son, and the son was born, and something happened to the son, and the boy died. And the Bible says that Elijah went into the house, laid on top of the boy, prayed for the boy, and the boy got raised from the dead. So, you know, uh, being raised from the dead, even though it's something major, it had happened several times in the Bible. But here's what makes Jesus mighty. He's the only person that was raised from the dead and never died again. Did you get that? See, uh, let's take uh, Lazarus. Lazarus ain't walking around here in 2019. Have you seen him? I mean, Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. Do you agree? He was raised from the dead by Jesus. But watch this though. But he died again. They had to have two funerals for Lazarus. Well, Jesus is the only person that died and was raised from the dead and have always now lived, the Bible says, to make intercessions for us. That's why the Bible calls him the firstborn. So watch this now. I'm going to keep reading in verse 21. So you see, just as death came through uh, in the world through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has become begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. Verse 23. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised. Watch this now. As the first of the harvest. He was the first one that died and not die again. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Amen. After that, the end will come. Listen to this now. When he, Jesus, will turn the kingdom over to who? God the Father. Well, let me ask you something. Why would he have to do that? Because remember, when he died and God raised him from the dead and he came back to his disciples, he told them how much power did he have? He says, all power has been given to me. So now it's telling us in verse 25 what it describes. It says now, uh, verse 25, for when Christ, let's, verse 24, and after the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to the Father, God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, for Christ must reign until he humbles all of his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Is death. For the scriptures say, God has put how much? All things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Verse 28, then when all things are under his authority, watch this, the son will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything everywhere. So here is what makes life for most Christians hard. Touch your neighbor and say, he's closing right now. He's closing. 
Here's what makes life for most Christians hard. Most of us are not exercising our wills to do what God wants us to do. We're exercising our wills to do what we want to do. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. I'm going to say that again. Most of us are not exercising our wills to do what God wants us to do. We're exercising our wills to do what we want to do. See, your will will either push you towards God or your will will push you away from God. And the reason many people can't make the changes they desire to see in their lives is because they are submitting their problems to God, not their wills that control their problems to God. You don't have a drug problem. You have a will problem. You don't have a money problem. You have a will problem. You don't have an obedience problem. You have a will problem. At the end of the day, our wills are what controls everything that we do. So why are we submitting our problems to God instead of saying, God, I submit my will to you because if we submit our wills to his will, he's going to tell us what to do. And when he tells us what to do, we're going to overcome that thing. You and our biggest problem is a will problem. When we yield our wills, then we will see our desires come to pass. Everybody say years ago. You know, over the years, I've had to to be challenged to change my will to what God wanted me to do. Okay? And I'm so thankful that God didn't uh, show me everything at one time because I think I would have jumped out of the race a long time ago. Okay, Uh, one of the things that he wanted me to do that I didn't want to do is to be a preacher. I just didn't want to do that. Maybe that's why it took me so long to start doing it. You know, God told me at 27 I was going to be a pastor. I didn't start pastoring until I was 40. I don't know if it had anything to do with me not wanting to do it. But uh, I said yes. Look at your neighbor and say, he said yes. But one of the biggest challenges that I had where I had to change my will and yield my will to God's will is when God wanted me to quit my, my job in corporate America and go to Bible school. Now, in the natural, I didn't understand that. In fact, it made no sense to me. All right, I had already gone to school. I had a bachelor's degree in business administration with an emphasis in marketing. And that's what I was doing. That's what my job was about. I was doing what exactly I went to school for. A lot of times people go to school, but they don't end up with a job that, they, they, that, that helps them do what they learn. Well, I went from, you know, studying business right into business and was doing extremely well. So here it is. I'm doing well. I go on this mission trip with my church at the time. And uh, while I'm on this campus, because the, 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 the missions trip where we stayed was on the campus of a school. Now, most of us, if you go down 67, uh, right off Keast uh, in Dallas, there's a school called Christ for the Nations. Well, they had at the time a Caribbean branch called Caribbean uh, Christ for the Nations. And so that's where my church stayed at that school while we were doing mission work. And that's one way the school raised money. You know, the money that we paid for room and housing and food, whatever, that blessed the school because the school let us stay there because the students were all gone home for the summer. 
So I'm there in the summer. We're doing mission work. And uh, I'm there. And I'm minding my own business. And, uh, and the Lord really just speaks to me and says, Evan, I, I want you to go to school here. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm on a missions trip right now. I'm like, why would I want to go back to school? I had to read so much books in business classes, I vowed I would never read another book. So here it is, I'm five years out of school. The Lord tells me, I want you to go back and I want you to go to this school right here. I'm like, well, well, Lord, first of all, I don't want to do that. Second of all, I'm still paying student loans from my last school. Third of all, this school exists in Dallas. They're going to ask me, well, why are you trying to go to school out here when the headquarters for this school is in Dallas? So I was not going to say anything. And my, my pastor's wife, who was leading the trip, uh, one day in the trip, we was all having breakfast or whatever, but she pulled me aside. She says, Evan, uh, the Lord told me he, he wants you to go to school here. I'm like, could you have told me you was going to share it with somebody else? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think this is between me and you. Apparently it's not. He, she says, I believe God wants you to go to school here. And I'm like, oh my. So I knew I had heard from God. But now, because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to help you all, because at the end, there are some wheels in this room that need to change. If you want to succeed in 2020, there are some yielding of your wheels that need to take place in 2019. So here it is. You know, I'm going, I'm like, okay, Lord. Uh, all right, so... She said, well, let's, let's, let's talk to the director of the school. So I'm like, you know, I'm going along with it. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the director's going to be like, you don't need to go to this school. You need to go to the one in Dallas. And that's where I was from anyway. So, I mean, I was living in Ohio. It's cold out there. So if the Lord said, come back to Dallas, at least, you know, my cold might be one day out of two. I don't know. So we sit down with the director and he says, you know, we have a school in Dallas. I said, I'm from Dallas. He said, oh, you're from Dallas. So why do, why do you want to come to school here? I said, well, ask her. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I wanted to. I was like, you know, I just feel the Lord wants me to come to school here. And uh, he says, he says, okay, well, he says, no American has ever gone to school here. He said, but I think I can work something out. And so watch this long story short. He looks at my pastor's wife and says, ma'am, he says, I think I can get this young man to this school, but, but I think you need to release him to the kingdom because I can't guarantee he's coming back to your church. And I'm sitting there going, what? <laughs> what? I'm going back to that. I'm going back. I'm going back. So <laughs> I'm having a problem. Can y'all see that? So fast forward, fast forward, I go to the school, I obey God, I sell all of that I had, and that nice sports car that I had, remember that sports car I told y'all about about a week ago or two days ago or whatever it is, that sports car that I had, God made sure I didn't have it before I left, it burnt up. 
It burnt up. It burnt up. I'm driving down the street and you know, my music is loud. And so I'm bumping and I mean, I'm, I mean, we are, I'm rolling, right? And some guy pulls up next to me. He was like, roll your window down. I'm like, you know, people crazy these days, you know. So I roll down my window. He's like, your car's on fire. I was like, what? Your car's on fire. I'm like, my car's on fire. I pulled over and flames was all coming out of my hood. And so I, like I was, look, I was trying to, I couldn't get my speakers out. So (laughs) save what you can, save what you can. My favorite Bible burnt up in there. By the time the fire, fire truck came, it was gone. So that was one less thing I had to worry about going to school, right? I might as well go. I ain't got no car. When I yielded my will to God's will, watch this. The desires in my will was in his will. I'm going to say that again. When I yielded my will to his will, The desires that I had in my will, I didn't know was in his will. So when I showed up at that school, first day, first day, first day of school, all the students, you know, I I got this room. Uh, I'm almost out of time. I'm I'm, I'm past the time, but okay, I'm going to close right here. So, (laughs) So my room was on the corner of the dorms, you know, it was a corner room. And it happens to be the spot where they drop off all the students, okay? The students would drop, you know, park there and get all their stuff because it was the, the spot that was closest to all the rooms. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on the corner. I'll never forget that day. It was very vivid to me. I saw for the first time a flying roach. <laughs> Big old roach on the wall. I'm from America. I ain't never seen that. So I see this roach on the wall. I didn't know it could fly, though. I see this roach on the wall. So I was, I was like, I took my shoe off. I'm like, hey, this roach is dead. And I hit it or tried to hit it, and I missed it. And that joker started flying toward me. I'm like. So I'm, 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 hearing, I'm hearing people drive up, drop off their stuff. But I hear them being greeted by this loud voice. Hey, how you doing? Good to say, I'm glad you're back. We're going to have fun this semester. I mean, this person is loud. And it's a girl. And I said to myself, literally, I said to myself, literally, three words, literally. I said, I would never marry somebody that loud. Guess who that person was? Pastor Sarah Connor sitting here on the front row. I didn't know that my desire, that was God's desire, His will, that was now my will, was going to be to marry somebody that loud, but I must want loud. So there are some people in the room. What made Jesus mighty was that He was able to yield His will wholeheartedly. And some of you in this room, you're wrestling with some things you shouldn't be wrestling with. What do you mean? You're wrestling with some things God does not want you to be wrestling with because it's not part of what he wants for you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, here's my question. 
what's right now your will that you're wrestling with that you're not sure if it's God's will or you know if it's not his will. I want to encourage you today to leave it at the altar. Just leave it, leave it. Because his will for you is better than what you want. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the word. Thank you for it changing our lives. Thank you that it's fallen on good ground. And thank you, Father, it's going to yield tremendous results, 36 and even 100-fold in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed, if you're here today, if you die today or if you're not sure you'd go to heaven, I'm talking to you. Because heaven is a certain.